What is crackalackin', Hardwood Knox listeners? I am Dan Valley coming at you with a fun dead of the offseason exercise. I'm going to provide outside the box or dark horse destinations for the most popular trade targets, some of which are at the forefront of rumors, others that I just identified would be the most popular names available. And the goal is to just steer clear of Kevin Durant to Phoenix or Kevin Durant to Miami, Devin, uh, Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks, trying to avoid those and, and journeying off the just the beaten path a little bit. Before we get started, please, if you're watching us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. It would mean the world to me. If you're checking us out for the first time via podcast, throw us that permanent subscription um, and throw us ratings and reviews if you're using Apple or Spotify. And even if you're not using Apple or Spotify, those help us out a ton as well. But again, also on YouTube, hit that like button as well to break the algorithm. Uh, join our Discord. The link is in the podcast description and the YouTube description, and the link is fixed. I am finally not a fucking moron and figured have figured out how to make sure that my Discord link does not expire. All the social handles, if you're on YouTube, you can see them, but those are also in the podcast and YouTube descriptions as well. Thank you, everyone, once more. Without further delay, though, let's get to this exercise. Uh, I went through players, and we're just going to go in alphabetical order to keep things uniform that way. I went through players that I think actually have value. And so let's use, or be highly sought after. Let's use Russell Westbrook as an example. Uh, I could come up with dark horse destinations for him, but any trade is going to be viewed as the Lakers trying to acquire uh, actual talent or just to get rid of him. And so it's players that I believe have net positive or better value. Uh, I steer, I like, I steer clear to free agents because there's not a lot of good free agents, except for Colin Sexton. He's on this list just because the Cavs apparently have like a, $13, $14 million offer per year on the table. That's less than I thought he was going to get. So he is included in this. Uh, there are other names, but I'm 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 trying to focus, and this will be the last piece of criteria, of players who would could feasibly reach the chopping block, even if it's not for sort of a once-in-a-lifetime once acquisition. Uh, let's use Kevin Durant as an example. Would Brandon Ingram be available for him? Maybe. Brandon Ingram just isn't going to be available willy-nilly. Ditto for a Pascal Siakam right now in Toronto, uh, even with OG Ananobi. It seems like the Raptors have pushed back against all the rumors that they want to move him. So I tried to, to just focus on players who I believe are actually available. Uh, I began with the best non-Donovan Mitchell trade asset on the Jazz, and I think that's Boyan Bogdanovich. It could be Mike Conley, but that second year on his contract's heavily guaranteed. I do think he's, I guess he's always been underrated, but at one point it became properly rated or overrated, or it was overrated to say he was underrated. I just don't know that he's going to be super sought after. Uh, so for Boyan Bogdanovich, just someone who can give you pure wing scoring, either off the ball or on the ball, probably best suited as a four, especially on defense now. Uh, he's been linked. The only teams I've actually heard him linked to, I, I believe, are Toronto uh, and the Lakers a little bit when we're talking about Russ. So the, the squads I came up with, uh, I have Memphis. They could really use uh, another they, – they could use more shooting, and they can use just a, an additional um, semi-self-creator to pitch in. Um, during the non-John Morant minutes or even with Morant on the court. Yes, maybe you're banking on Jaron Jackson Jr. when he's healthy and Zaire Williams and Desmond Bain, all to sort of make those leaps. Having veteran insurance on a, an expiring contract would be good. They can get to um, matching the money without using uh, Steven Adams as well. They do have the Danny Green expiring. He can't be aggregated just yet, I don't think, but he eventually can be. The other team I have is Phoenix. I've talked about him going to Phoenix, so maybe we shouldn't include that being a dark horse, but if they're going to make an upgrade that has nothing to do with Kevin Durant, I think it needs to be just at the four and skew offensively. Uh, does Boyan Madonna become your third best player? And that seems to be their biggest issue uh, when you look at Aiton. No, but he probably becomes your third best offensive player. And that would be important in a playoff series. He's an upgrade offensively. I would argue from Jay Crowder for sure. 
and probably even from Cam Johnson, just when you're looking at someone who could put the ball on the deck and generate his his own offense in, in pinches. So that would be a great acquisition for them. And then I don't know if this counts as a dark horse. Uh, I have Miami. Just they need to do something kind of more inventive about the four spot. I think that I've overlooked them on this podcast a little bit this offseason, which is wrong. They should still be really good if they're healthy. Uh, if you can use Duncan Robinson's contract uh, to anchor a Boyan Bogdanovich trade, I don't know what you need to include as sweeteners to, to get that off. There's four years and 70 plus million left on it. I think if you're going to pay a, a crap ton of money for non-stars, it might as well be elite shooters with a ton of gravity. Duncan Robinson did slip off last year. He's still one of the most valuable shooters in the NBA. And so what would it take for a jazz team who's rebuilding and he doesn't compromise their rebuild, but it is long-term money. What do you have to sweeten the pot with next to Duncan Robinson to, to get by Bogdanovich? But he would be, you know, he doesn't replace PJ Tucker on defense, but he's a better shooter than PJ Tucker. Slot him next to Bam at a bio run. And you have just enough defense in general to where you don't need to do, uh, have him do a ton. Like between Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, Bam at a bio, uh, Victor Oladipo is there as well. Like you can run out just a bunch of uh, really sturdy defensive lineups that we're going to be able to cover up for him insofar as he's even this monster liability, which if you're asking him to defend threes, he probably would be moving on to John Collins. Uh, still just, he seems wildly underrated. His offense is just scalable. It's plug and play because he can pick and pop at this point. Uh, he, he can turn himself to a viable corner three point shooter. He can also be your primary scream and, uh, screen and diver he just doesn't get to do that in atlanta with clint capella there as often uh, and there's also there's more to explore from his floor game i don't think he's ever gonna be like even a carl anthony towns level attacker but he can do more than just go north south like there can be some deliberate um mythology to the way that he's attacking or maybe there's a little east west some spins there um some variant touch around the basket and just looking at his contract where you have this fringe star for with the cap rising at sub $25, $27 million a year, and it's sub $25 million next season, I'm just surprised there's not more interest in him. I get it's iffy if you consider him a one-position player. I think there are teams, including the ones that I'm about to mention, that could get away with playing him a ton at the five. I have the Raptors as one. I don't subscribe to the idea that they need a big, but he would really, I know they have Otto Porter Jr. now, he would improve the spacing of some of their lineups. Uh, he would really help their rebounding. And I think you can get away with, no, is, is he your five? Maybe defensively you're trying to use him that way, but you're also going to be playing him with Siakam and Scotty Barnes um, in this scenario. You can even play him with Precious Achua. There's Chris Boucher is there as, as, as well. So I just think there are a, a ton of ways that Toronto could maximize him on both offense and defense. Um, maybe you're even seeing like these pairings of uh, like him as your five without Siakam on the court, but you just have enough wing defenders between, a, not even wings, but like Thaddeus Young is there. Um, Chris Boucher could even get away. I mentioned Achua, but you can get away with Ken Birch a little bit. So um, I think that is an interesting fit. Now, what do you give up to get him? I, I think OG Ananobi is the basis here. I think Toronto is giving up the higher end value there just because of OG Ananobi's versatility. Would you do DeAndre Hunter and Collins for OG Ananobi and filler at this point, which is Birch or whatever? I kind of like that deal for both sides. Let me know what you think uh, on Twitter or, or in the comments section. Again, OG Ananobi and filler for John Collins and uh, DeAndre Hunter. Now, the amount of money going to Toronto there, you're going to have to make uh, some very creative changes. You could technically include Thaddeus Young because of um, the deal that he signed. Does It was an extension, I believe, so it's going to let him be traded immediately unless I'm misremembering the reporting there. But you can still step out of your way with just between OG Ananobi and Ken Birch and some of your smaller salaries, like maybe a Malachi Flynn, 
um, you would be able to cobble together enough money without also giving up Gary Trent Jr. And if for some reason Atlanta wanted Trent instead of OG, even better. I just don't think that's the route that they would go. You're all of a sudden really cooking with something in Atlanta when you have OG, who's a, a, an incredible defensive upgrade over DeAndre Hunter. Um, I guess net neutral on offense, I'd probably argue that OG Ananobi is just more established there as well, even looking at what he's been able to do off the dribble, not this quick-fire pull-up shooter, but DeAndre Hunter just really kind of stalled last year. But the, the Raptors, again, he's extension eligible. You probably get him for cheaper than OG, who's going to be a free agent in two years. I think you're getting uh, interesting value there. But with Atlanta, having DeJounte Murray and OG Ananobi, and then even Clint Capella still on the same team, Onyeka Kongwu, uh, defensively, that's a lot of talent around Trey Young, even if you're not um, playing all five of the guys that I just named at, at once. So Kungu and uh, Adenobi and Capella would be a weird fit. I, I would watch it though. That'd be, int- uh, that would be interesting defensively. Uh, and then I also have the heat. They're never a dark horse in anything, but let's just say like, if they're not going to get Durant, if they're not going to get Mitchell, I don't think they want to use all of their picks on John Collins. And I, I firmly have to believe that Atlanta would want more than picks for John Collins since it's looking to compete immediately. At the same time, maybe they want to replenish some of their draft pick stash to use in further trades since they traded away a handful to San Antonio. Um, you could also just rally third teams together where the Heat are sending out you know, Duncan Robinson as the primary salary filler. There need to be other money involved there as well. But again, it, it's workable. Um, and you're you're rallying the third team, so you're sending them picks and they're sending Atlanta someone or or some things of value that they would like. I think this gets iffy because when you're looking at the matching money for Miami, John Collins is at 23.5 next year. And Miami with Duncan Robinson is at 16.9 right there. Uh, your next cleanest salary filler fit is going to be Tyler hero. Are you giving up Tyler hero in a John Collins trade? I think a lot of people would say, no, I don't think Atlanta needs Tyler hero either, but I would do Duncan Robinson and Tyler hero and next year's first for John Collins. I think maybe just, Maybe is it a matter of will a team give up a good enough first round pick um, to to send to Atlanta, where they would then send John Collins to uh, Miami if they don't want Hero? I the the trade package when I was coming up with this, it was it told the line of iffy, but if in a vacuum you can turn John Collins, a tw- uh, if you can turn Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, and a pick, I probably am not going two picks even with Robinson's deal. Um, if you can make that move. Um, you, I would do it, but you can also go the route of, okay, well, would you give up Nikola Jovic and Duncan Robinson and then picks, and you can still get to the salary. It would take three or four players in total to bring back John Collins's money, but you could do it. So Tyler Europe doesn't have to be involved. I'm just saying if they were looking for the cleanest possible route, Kevin Durant. Wow. Kevin Durant. There are no dark horses for Kevin Durant. It feels like everyone's been mentioned at this point, but I do have two. I've been banging and other people have as well. I'm not the only one. Kevin Durant to New Orleans. I just think there's a bunch of different permutations there. Go check out the podcast that I did where I mapped out that there is a really aggressive trade offer they can make that doesn't include Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, or of course, since he just signed an extension, Zion Williamson. So that would just be scary. And you want to know that Kevin Durant need wants to be there to some extent. That's just, I'm, I want Kevin Durant in, I mean, Phoenix would be interesting, a media title favorite, but I think if you put Kevin Durant in new Orleans without giving up Ingram, they might have a case there. And if you put him in Toronto still, those are the teams that I'm not rooting for, but I'm most interested in seeing Kevin Durant on. I think this one's probably a fair dark horse, especially given how their offseason has unfolded. But the Atlanta Hawks, um, Atlanta's a popular city among NBA players, even if it hasn't been billed as this like high-end free agency destination. I think that a lot of people look at the draft equity the, the Hawks gave up for DeJounte Murray and just automatically assume you can't get Kevin Durant. 
I'm not disagreeing, but like, look at some of the avenues here. So in terms of the picks that they have, that you could give up that protected Sacramento pick in 2024, there's a chance it never conveys, but it's protected until kingdom come. So it counts as a first round pick in my book. You give up your own 2023 pick and then you can still trade 2029. And there's some swaps that you could work there. So that's, but that's three tangible first round picks you can give up. You also have a handful of interesting youngsters in DeAndre Hunter, Onyeko Okungu, Jalen Johnson, who I'm absolutely in love with. Um, and let's also not forget AJ Griffin, who they just drafted between those four guys. Like you should be able to, if the Nets don't want any of them, I would argue they should probably want Hunter and a Kung Wu, even if they're looking to compete right away. But if the Nets don't want any of those, even Jalen Johnson, I'm in love with Jalen Johnson. Sorry. Sorry, everyone. But you could trade those guys feasibly to teams that I would think in theory would give up a first round pick to Brooklyn. They're probably not distant first round picks, which gets a little iffy, but you also satisfy the requirements of, Hey, if they want win now players, you have Bogdan Madanovich, Clint Capella, and John Collins. All, all these names, in addition, so Clint Capella, John Collins, Bogdan Madanovich, DeAndre Hunter, Onyeka Okungwu, A.J. Griffin, and Jalen Johnson, those seven players, I would think that you could trade any single one of them for another first-round pick. It's probably most sketchy on A.J. Griffin and um, excuse me, Jalen Johnson, which is fine. So, and especially the Jalen Johnson, just given his limited sample, but like you just start rallying teams together and there should be teams that are interested in Collins or Capella. And I'm assuming you're not giving up all three of your bigs, like Capella, Collins, and Okongu in that deal. I think that you could probably put together something aggressive, especially look, the net should probably want Collins. Um, he fits with all of their bigs right now. So if you use Collins as sort of the salary anchor here, I don't know if they want Bogdanovich, but to, you have all these other youngsters plus your picks. Can you find third and fourth teams that are just sending even more picks to Brooklyn. So they're still getting a fringe all-star in John Collins. And then they would still just get a shit ton of draft equity again, unless they were really in love with some of the young players, which again, they might be DeAndre Hunter. Good. Even though he's extension level, um, almost positionless on defense. And there's some more offense to explore there. You have Claxton, Daron Sharp there. And if you're keeping Collins, you certainly don't want him. You could, will someone give you a first round pick for Clint Capella? That's probably tough. Would Toronto be that team? Their salary filler is, a, is a little bit hard pressed. And I don't think they're not going to give up OG Ananobi um, for Clint Capella. And they're also not going to do so to help uh, a, a conference rival get Kevin Durant. I don't think, um, but Kevin Durant, DeJounte Murray, Trey Young, just as your base, that gets incredibly intriguing. And so I don't think Atlanta has the best KD offer, but they could be a team that's more incentivized to throw out their best foot more so than a Toronto, more so than a new Orleans. Uh, and that could put them technically in front of the bidding if they wanted to. Again, I don't think they get there, but that's just a team that I think we should probably consider a little bit more in this, this conversation. Eric Gordon. I just have him here because it's like, well, what the fuck is this guy doing on the rocket still? Um, he shot incredibly well on drives last year, 55 plus percent hit his three ball. Well, he can stand very far behind the arc and, again, gives you that rim pressure, like I just said. And he'll, he'll just hold up on defense. There are players who are his size and his age but should probably be worse defensively when you're going to move him around the, the two and three spots. Um, I haven't heard him mentioned like any specific teams. I thought about the Cavs, but I feel like he's been mentioned there too much. And unless it's a Colin Sexton sign-and-trade, which, possible. I mean, that's not... I actually have Houston listed as one of my Colin Sexton destination, destination. So, maybe. But... I have Memphis just because I think it, maybe you want someone bigger on the wings, but if you're really in love with David Roddy, Jake LaRavia and Zaire Williams, you have Desmond Bain. Uh, 
just to have another offensive outlet after losing Kyle Anderson, uh, who's more of a playmaker, and you still do have Tyus Jones. Again, you'd be on the smaller end, but if you're going to continue to run out dual bigs for stretches, I think you just need people who can shoot and then someone else who's comfortable attacking off the dribble. He's not, Eric Gordon's not necessarily a stop and pop guy, but he's going to give you some just really strong rim pressure that I don't think you're going to necessarily get at the same level from Desmond Bain or Zaire Williams at this point, just to have that secondary scoring and then primary shooting. He can play off the ball so well and really stretch the floor out. Imagine him and Jaron Jackson Jr. on the court at the same time, both basically standing by the timeline. That's just going to stretch defenses paper thin. They can also get to his money without giving up uh, Steven Adams as well. You have the, once you aggregate can, can legally aggregate Danny Green's salary, the $10 million non-guarantee, uh, the $10 million chip that, that gives you a basis for all this. And I also have Milwaukee, uh, getting to his money is tough. It has to be Grayson Allen and then George Hill and then other smaller salaries. If they put Marjan Bochamp on the table, Houston should just absolutely jump at that. I don't think they're going to. I can't picture them including a distant. Uh, they could trade a 2029 first. I can't picture them doing it for Eric Gordon. But if, if you know Houston, maybe they have some interest in Grayson Allen, who's on this shorter term deal, showed some um, really bright moments as a shooter, uh, mostly before the postseason last year. Uh, George Hill just expiring. Maybe you're getting uh, just other teams involved. Is there a team out there that would take George Hill? Would Toronto consider taking George Hill? I don't know if they have a, a trade exception large enough. I'd have to look that up. I did notice, though, this is something that was interesting. There's currently no NBA trade exception right now that's worth more than or worth even $10 million. I don't know if that's like a common occurrence. And yeah, Toronto has a trade exception they could take George Hill into. Um, but I just thought that was fascinating because, you know, looking at names like Eric Gordon, specifically, and then even someone else to come on, on my list that I made, I kind of thought, well, what if they could slide into a trade exception and their team just wants to save money? Didn't work like that. So Milwaukee's a little bit tougher, but if Houston's not looking for a ton of value, maybe they're just trying to do right by Eric Gordon too and send him to a contender. Uh, I would love him in Milwaukee. Some of your lineups would be smaller, but you can play Drew, Giannis, Middleton, uh, and, and Eric Gordon at the same time. And it doesn't matter. Are you going to, is Giannis your big in that scenario? Is Brooke Lopez on the court? Pat Compton, I, I don't give a shit. Kyrie Irving, I guess the dark horse next destination would be anyone but the Lakers. Uh, I do think Dallas kind of doesn't qualify as a dark horse anymore because they've just been the team most commonly mentioned that might roll the dice on him. Uh, I came up with three. One of them was a cop-out. I know he's been like semi-linked to Miami, but just like they can get to the money uh, without including Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, or Bam Adebayo if they really wanted to. Um, can they get there without Tyler Hero? That's where it gets weird or third and fourth teams involved why would you give Tyler Hero for Kyrie Irving I just have them listed because if you put Kyrie on the team and even if you're giving up I guess Kyle Lowry at that point I know it's a weird cultural fit but man he brings so much of just what Miami would need in the playoffs specifically looking at their half court shot creation I want to make it clear I wouldn't give up a ton of value for him but if it's costing you your 2023 pick and then salary filler like I, I would do it and it look it's a it's it's iffy because you can't – I'm just looking at it now. You can't reasonably step ladder your way to his money without including um, – it would have to be Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. Even from there, like you're kind of hard-pressed to um, step ladder your salaries up. So are you giving up Kyle Lowry for Kyrie Irving? Kyrie Irving's better going to hit free agency after next year. Maybe Miami appreciates that flexibility. How are you sweetening the deal next to Kyle Lowry? Do you even want to? If the Nets are trying to win, is it just Kyle, like, Kyle Lowry and – you know, do you have to give up a pick in that scenario if the Nets are going to hold on to Kevin Durant? I imagine you have to give up something, but uh, I just have Miami listed. They're not one that I believe in, and the path to getting him is also difficult. You give up Kyle Lowry for sure if you can get Kevin Durant in addition to all your picks. Kyrie's different. But the two teams I have listed, 
And I wouldn't expect these. Let me start with the least likely one, but I would kind of love this. Orlando. And they have a bunch of different avenues to just get to the money. And imagine, like, you're not giving up Jalen Suggs or Paolo Bancaro or even Franz Wagner in this situation. That's like, you. they could give you a pick. They could give you some of their, their younger guys. Uh, do the Nets value players? Like, would they want to roll the dice on Jonathan Isaac? What about Marco Fultz? They have Terrence Ross. Uh, Gary Harris can even be traded immediately now based off the, I think they turned his deal into an extension basically. So, um, but if he can't, if I'm misremembering that as well, uh, since it is, you know, 4.20 a.m. Eastern time when I'm recording this, I apologize there. But like Jonathan Isaac, Fultz, Ross, uh, are you willing to include Cole Anthony in that deal? I would. Chumo Kiki? Yeah. I definitely include RJ Hampton for sure. Um, and then like you have Chicago is 2023 first. It's top four protected. Is that like too shiny to give up? It's definitely uh, less shiny than your own first round pick. Maybe you don't want to, maybe you don't want to do that. Um, maybe it's just heavily protected. Maybe you're giving seconds there. Maybe they're just interested in players that will be in their rotation. I mean, the Nets need still need like quality defenders. And if they want to roll the dice on Jonathan Isaac, uh, his contract is so low risk at this point, guaranteed 17.4 this year, then only guaranteed 7.6 the year after. And then it's fully guaranteed in the final season after that. Um, Fultz, he, you wouldn't need him if you had Kyrie Ross, just another wing player for Brooklyn. Like you can get there with the bodies and then one or two of your Anthony Okiki, RJ Hampton youngsters. I would do it if it was on the table. I know you're probably worried about what he's submarine your culture and would he leave. I think Orlando's an underrated free agency destination, especially if, if they're good. Um, and Kyrie would just make life so much easier on a Palo Bancaro as he develops and even Jalen Suggs. And I don't think he necessarily like, nukes their development either uh he could infringe upon it a little bit but like i think he just makes the touches they get more streamlined um i would just like to see and if it didn't cost a tangible first round pick or any of your core youngsters which i'm not trading for Kyrie anyway i would think about it the other team was washington and the path to getting there is you have to wait basically for will barton and monte morris to be be um able to be aggregated against so that you can basically flip them i was thinking barton Morris and Hachimura for Kyrie Irving. You could go the route of just flipping Porzingis for Irving. You do have Daniel Gafford there still. Um, maybe you trust that you're going to get enough production out of the, the center spot then. Uh, you haven't really set yourself up to have a bunch of center minutes after a Daniel Gafford, though. Like It's very clear when you look at this setup that they're invested in the uh, Porzingis-Gafford uh, five-man combination, which is fine. I don't like, do the Nets even want Kristaps with Nick Claxton there, even if they're looking to win now? Uh, if they are looking to win now, I think you could argue that Morris and Barton are going to be more valuable. And then there's Hachimura. Would you give up Johnny Davis? I would not. But that's just, if it's costing them basically, the if the if it's the Barton-Morris package um, with Rui Hachimura, I'm doing it. I wouldn't give up a first-round pick unless it's just protected until uh, the end of time. And they already have one of those owed to the Knicks. At this point, would I consider the Porzingis Kyrie swap? Does someone else need to come back from Brooklyn in that? Um, I, I don't think so because I would view Chris has played well for the Wizards, but a $36 million player option in 23 24, I don't think a lot of teams want to carry it. So I would consider the straight up swap there. Now, where it gets iffy for me is if you're asking them to include Kyle Kuzma, um, I, I might push back unless you just think you're not going to pay him because I do think like if it was Barton and Kuzma and um, that might even be enough money on its own. You probably need a little bit more, but you could get there with filler. If it was just Barton Kuzma and filler for Kyrie, 
I don't know if I would, I honestly don't know if I would do it. Like, I guess you could if you're Washington, but then you have Morris, Kyrie, and DeLon Wright. It just makes more sense to send out Morris. If it was Morris and Kuzma and then Filler, it might get a little bit tougher there, but just food for thought. They're in a win now window with Beal. Uh, DeLon Wright would be a great backup or someone who could play alongside Irving. And if you're keeping Kuzma and Denny Avdia and let's just say Kristaps Porzingis in, in this scenario, um, you do maybe have still enough defense. Like a, a Kyrie Bradley Beal backcourt isn't great, but like if you play smaller with Dalon Wright mixed in with those two, or like I said, having Denny Avda and Kyle Kuzma is a pretty big boon. Plus Kristaps' rim protection. I think the path would be it's Morris Barton, Hachimura, or like, are you willing to give up Kispert? And that's it. Like, it's probably something like, like that, like those two plus a lower end asset. I don't think you're giving up a, a first round pick. Just food for thought. And Kyrie was just so tough. So hopefully that was creative enough for everyone. Donovan Mitchell. I don't know if I feel like this one's too trendy because we've talked about it. And I wanted to put OKC here. I made a video about how they should trade for him. That was before they waived your Michael Green. And my entire basis for that was just you have these two medium sized salaries in favors and your Michael Green. You can step ladder your way with Josh Giddy, some other smaller salaries to get to Donovan Mitchell money. That option is just basically out the window with OKC since they waived to Michael Green. They have Derek Favors and Josh Giddy are, you know, they combined to make like under 17 million between them. So yeah, you could feasibly get there, but are are you trading Usman Jang and then Jalen Williams and Alek- Alexei Pokashevsky to get there? It would just take too many salaries knowing that Shea Gilders Alexander is a non-starter and then Lou Dort just signed his extension. So it just gets, and you're not giving up Chet Holmgren, uh, in my opinion, for Donovan Mitchell. The point would be pairing Mitchell with uh, SGA and Holmgren. It is still feasible. So if you want, I would love to see him in OKC. If you wanted to say that they're going to give up like the pick tonnage plus Derek Favor, it would have to be Derek Favors. You almost need Josh Giddy in this deal. That's 16.5 million right there. And then, you know, Jalen Williams and or Usman Jang, and then one other player like a Darius Baisley. Uh, you don't even need that much money. I'm just using that as an example. So you could still get there. Um, it's just a little bit messier now that you don't have the two filler salaries because all of a sudden Derek favors is your one filler salary. And then everyone else that you'd be giving up, if it's giddy, if it's Jang, if it's Jalen Williams, if it's Alexei Pokashevsky, uh, you consider them part of your core, uh, at least maybe not if you're going to trade them for Don Mitchell. So throw OKC in there. I have Orlando as well. OKC and Orlando should count as one because I feel like both have gained traction this year. The package for Orlando, um, they just have the the filler to make it the salaries work. Like, is it are they giving up Fultz or are they giving up Isaac in that deal? It's just the primary salary matcher. They also have Terrence Ross's money at twelve point five. Um, so, like, and you could theoretically even move Gary Harris if he's indeed still trade eligible. Like, I I believe that he is. So you can get there without giving up any of your core pieces, except for Don Mitchell probably cost you a core piece. So if it's one of Suggs or Wagner and then the world in picks and you're keeping Bancaro, one of Suggs or Wagner, pairing them with Donovan Mitchell and Wendell Carter Jr. is still there. And look, Wendell Carter Jr. can even be part of the deal too. It just depends on like what um, variation of, of an offer are you throwing out there. If you're including Wendell Carter Jr., um, are you also willing to include Jalen Suggs or Franz Wagner? If you are, I think that's going to detract from the pick equity quite a bit. And we know Utah wants pick equity. So my point is they have the salaries. They have the um, the cornerstone youngsters. When you look at Wagner and Suggs, I would, I'm making Bancaro untouchable. I would consider moving Suggs for Mitchell. I would, I would again, diminish the, the pick haul that I'm giving uh, Utah for that, but I would consider moving Suggs or Wagner for Mitchell. And then also just like 
Okiki and Hampton and, and Cole Anthony. Those can be valuable. I don't want to call them throw-ins, but just like flyer youngsters, sort of like how the Knicks have Cam Reddish, the Magic have Chumo Kiki or um, Colanthi's more of a certainty than I think Cam Reddish at this point, but an RJ Hampton. So those offers are interesting and I would love to see it. Are they on that timeline? That's where it gets iffy. Uh, this next team is on the win now timeline and it's the Cleveland Cavaliers. My basis for this now is the, the Jazz, you're not going to trade Evan Mobley and then you're not going to trade Darius Garland. He was just extended anyway. Um, and I don't think Utah's going to want Jared Allen. Would I move Jared Allen for Donovan Mitchell? Yes, I would, if that's like the basis of the offer here. But you have matching salary to get there without those three. Larry Marketing, Karis LeVert, uh, Chetty Osman at, at $7.4 million. Um, even Isaac Okoro at seven point one. It's like you can get there. Um, do any of those players that aren't Allen Garland, and we didn't even mention Love's expiring deal, but that would really be mean. I know he, he likes Utah, but it'd be mean to send him to a rebuilding team. Uh, what is the appeal of their package without a Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, or Darius Garland? Again, if the Jazz wanted Jared Allen, I, I think I would trade him for Donovan Mitchell. Um, with that said, I think you build your package around Isaac Okoro, Akbaji, and then just all the picks and then salary filler. So every single pick that you're able to, to give up, is that enough? It probably depends on how much they value Okoro and, and Akbaji. You could also work it. It gets difficult with base year compensation, but uh, you can, um, sorry, I'm blanking here. You can sign and trade Colin Sexton to Utah. And maybe they're just looking for sort of this temporary offensive steward. He's going to make less money than a lot of people think. Perhaps that's something Utah would be open to. And so there, there are avenues, I think, for them to explore without breaking up their three best players. I would put Allen on the table if it meant getting Mitchell. Again, it's going to limit what else I'm offering, but I don't know that anything else you were going to give is attractive enough when you're looking at Okoro, Akbaji. Yeah, I'd give those two an Allen plus picks for for Donovan Mitchell. I, I really think that I would. A Garland-Mitchell front court would be great. I Ideally, and I think more realistically, is... It's your entire future draft, and then you're putting Okoro and Akbaji as the primary assets and surrounding them with, with money. Last three names here. I have Marcus Morris Sr. on here just because, and I was talking about this in our Discord, uh, I, I want to see with uh, our, good, our good, loyal Discord member, friend, family member, uh, Brayden, I want to see Amir Coffee get minutes, and then Clippers fans want to see Brandon Boston Jr. get minutes as well. There's just so many wings on this team, and you can bake in injuries for Kawhi, maybe some absences for Paul George, even Norman Powell a little bit. There's just so many wings. Um, can we open it up to spread some love to just Amir Coffee, who I'm absolutely enamored by? Uh, this is also a situation where I wondered, would you just dump him? Because I, I don't. I think you'd prefer to get a backup big. But you're so far, I know we say Steve Ballmer doesn't care about the tax, but you're about to pay uh, a tax bill that's like, I don't even know, like $80 trillion. My spreadsheet, I don't have the math here, but it's, I think there'll be more than $40 million in tax payments. So that's, um, that's a lot of tax payments. So uh, that's a huge tax bill is my point. Um, that's like, I, I don't even, oh, well, I don't even know the actual tax pay. They're 40 plus million dollars into the tax. Would you be willing just to give up Marcus Morris to cut that down? Uh, maybe you want to get a backup center out of the deal. Again, no team has a trade exception that I can see or have logged that would be uh, large enough to take in Marcus Morris Sr. I do have three teams for him. Uh, Sacramento, he doesn't really qualify as a wing 
And, but I'm fine with that. Like you can play, you can play him and Barnes and Keegan Murray at the same time, if you really wanted to that, And then Fox and Sabonis, I would, I would watch that lineup. I don't, you know, I, I don't know how good it would be defensively. Um, but I, I think you can absolutely do that. The path to the package, I think is actually interesting. It's Rashawn Holmes. And then like, it could be, I would say Terrence Davis, like Rashawn Holmes and Terrence Davis for Mark's more senior works. Would you be willing to give up, uh, Alex Len? Just he's a smaller salary, and then the Clippers all of a sudden have these three traditional bigs. Um, can you get them to take on Trey Lyles? I don't think that might. Oh, yeah, that would get you to Marcus Morris money. And they come really oh so close to being able to take in just Holmes for Morris, but it's it's not quite there, unfortunately. So um, that would be the structure of a deal, and I think I really like it. And I would do it if I'm both teams. To have Holmes and Zubots as your primary bigs in L.A.? Absolutely. I I. I think that's a fantastic fit. So uh, the other two teams I have are Minnesota, which is, I don't know how I feel about this trade post Rudy Gobert, but they're clearly not afraid to play like super large. And so could you envision a scenario where Jaden McDaniels, Anthony Edwards, Marcus Morris senior and Rudy Gobert and towns are just your lineup. I've proposed on a previous pod, Norman Powell and Marcus Morris senior for D'Angelo Russell. I don't know that the Clippers would be as interested in that now that they signed John wall. Uh, does Reggie Jackson and Marcus Moore senior like wet Minnesota's whistle at all for that? That seems like a substantially less attractive package. Deal had a pretty good year last year. I mean, there were some iffy moments in the postseason, but he had a really solid regular season. So that I, can't, I include a third team because I became a little bit more lukewarm on that. The Bucks. Uh, can you get there? I think the question is without trading Brooke Lopez and of course any of like your actual core players. I'm not getting up Marjan Bochamp for uh, Marcus Morris. Uh, if they really wanted to, like, and he was having a career year, I mean, perhaps. I think the goal would be, so Allen and George Hill, Grayson Allen and George Hill work. I don't think the Clippers need any of those guys. Grayson Allen's deal is not as bad as people think. So if the Clippers just want sort of a another shooter, um, someone just really dead-eye from beyond the arc, two years under $19 million at this point, um, yes, you could take him on, and you're cutting your tax bill a little bit. I think the goal would be, can you find teams to just absorb those other players? Would Toronto take George Hill into their trade exception? Can you get there are trade exceptions big enough uh, to for Grace Down to go into, but could you compensate the Spurs or the Indiana Pacers enough to take him on? And so that would sort of be the framework. And I think I love Milwaukee the most just because the Giannis, Morris, Middleton, Drew Holiday, uh, let's say Connaughton lineups, like those would be great. I know you then have Portis and Brooke Lopez on the bench, but that would be a killer playoff lineup to me. Maybe you have Wes Matthews instead of Connaughton, just pre- depending on. Uh, who you're going up against, but there would just be a lot of, of optionality there. Rhonda Collins Sexton, I already spoiled one. It was Houston. So just go with me on this. They have like the, or they still don't have the like floor general of the future in their midst. Maybe you feel very strongly about Ty Ty Washington. He plays bigger than he is. I really like him. I hope they give him a shot. I'd rather see him run the offense than Kevin Porter jr. At this point, but with Kevin Porter jr. Extension eligible, um, you have Ty Ty Washington, like J- Josh Christopher's hanging around there. Uh, Trey Burks is currently on the roster right now. You want Jalen Green to shoulder a ton of a bunch of the offensive load. Like that might actually make a lot of sense there. I like Colin Sexton's fit next to Jalen Green better than Kevin Porter Jr., who has more off the dribble juice. But I think Colin Sexton's going to give you a, a more accomplished um, um, shooter when he's going to be healthy there as well. And I think. 
at this point, I'm not crazy about either defense, but Sexton would probably be the better on-ball defender to me, even if you think you can get some actual wing defense from, from Porter. If the price is like not astronomical, Fisher compensation comes into play here. But like Eric Gordon going to the Cavs would make some sense, and you finagle the money uh, going that route. There would need to be other parts involved. And, and like I said, just it depends on do you want to pay Kevin Porter Jr.? I don't know what his extension number is going to be. Uh, but Colin Sexton, it was look, his market is cratered, or at least Cleveland feels like they have leverage because he hasn't signed any of these other offers. I didn't include Indiana on this because they're just not a dark horse. They're mentioned as, oh, well, they should just throw out an offer sheet or work out a, a sign and trade for him. I have Orlando as the other one. And so that's just sort of like, let's put another shooter who can work on the ball, but also give us some on-ball offense um, to alleviate the the job for Franz Wagner, Paolo Bencaro, Wendell, Wendell Carter Jr., Jalen Suggs. I like his fit there. And I think that they just have the requisite defensive versatility to cover up for any concerns that they have. I'm, I'm a big believer in what Suggs could do at his position defensively. Let's not forget about Wendell Carter Jr. and then Jonathan Isaac. I'm actually convinced that Paolo Bencaro is going to be a pretty good defender. Franz Wagner was solid for the positional minutes that he played. Again, if it's not going to cost you the world and you have Terrence Ross, who's someone who should interest the Cavs in the interim, um, and then you, you work your way back from there. Like, are you giving them faults? Uh, who would probably just have to be like the prime, like can you can't do Fulton and Ross for Sexton unless you're paying Sexton a, a shit ton, and that money gets difficult for Cleveland. But like Terrence Ross and like Chumo Kiki for Colin Sexton, maybe you don't value Sexton that much because of the track that you're on. But I I like the idea of Sexton sort of as this outlet, not super ball dominant, and you'd want someone more talented to run your offense, but you still have Suggs and Ben Caro and Fultz in that scenario. So just Food for thought on that one. Finally, Miles Turner. Uh, I have so I have Memphis here, but I've talked about the Memphis deal like so many times, and Grizzlies fans have been generally unhappy with me about it. I just think you would lose a lot of. I, here's the thing: I'm not having them trade Stephen Adams for Miles Turner. I don't know that the Pacers would be super interested in Stephen Adams anyway. But you can get to Miles Turner's money, which is a, a very low 18 million dollars, without including Stephen Adams. Once you can aggregate Danny Green. That's $10 million right there. You just need a few million bucks after it, and whatever pick equity it's going to take or prospect equity, uh, which could count towards the money, to bring Turner to Memphis. And so that seems weird, but it's only for a year. Adams and Turner both come off the books. How healthy will Jaron Jackson Jr. be to start the season? I know you'd be losing something with rebounding going from Adams to Turner long-term. Uh, you could also turn around then, by the way, and use Steven Adams to anchor another trade if you were confident in the Jackson-Turner pairing. I know you're concerned about what would happen on the glass also with your screen setting. I just like the idea of having two sweet shooting or higher volume shooting bigs. Jackson's more volume. And I mean, Turner's not the most lights out shooter, but I like the idea of it to see it in practice. If it's going to cost you green, one of your non Zaire Williams, Desmond Bain prospects, and then like a pick a very heavily protected pick to get Turner. I would, I would really test out the experiment uh, just because it makes so much sense to surround John Morant with as much spacing as possible. Yes, I get that you would want a better screener um, than Turner, but like Steven Adams would still be there in this scenario. And so maybe you view that as a misallocation of assets, especially when you saw Adams get played off the court during the postseason. Turner's not going to be so easily played off the court. Like he just has better, I don't know, like hip mobility, so to speak, when you're putting him in space than a Steven Adams is going to. And Steven Adams was really good last year. And I think he's, there was argument. I think Grizzlies fans are probably a little bit too high about like how he, how hard it is for him to be played off the floor. And I, 
I'd agree to an extent. Like I don't view him as just like this complete liability, but his rebounding, his boxing out, boxing out the angles on his screens, his ability to just navigate the floor away from the ball, um, his ability to convert after getting offensive rebounds. It's, it's all super important. I just like the idea of Turner Memphis. My other one, they're not a typical dark horse team, but I haven't heard them mentioned the Chicago bulls. And it's just like, they don't have a ton to offer, but Turner's on an expiring contract. India's cap space. Would you go from Vooch's 22 million to Turner's 18 million? And what asset do you need to include as the buffer there? I would include Kobe white. Would you Kobe white, the Portland first it's lottery protected. Um, and Vooch for Turner. If you're expecting Vooch to have a bounce back year, I get that it's tough to stomach. If you can get Turner while keeping the and Patrick Williams, who I wouldn't trade Williams for Turner anyway, the Sunmu, I probably wouldn't trade him either. Maybe are you confident in that? I like I you have Turner, and then if you really need more of a rebounding presence, that's why Andre Drummond is on this team. Uh, he's a Turner's a better rim protector, the best rim protector they would have. Um, if that's the cost, maybe like an Indy has the flexibility to just find out what's left in Kobe White, who's go who's extension eligible and going to be a restricted free agent. If they're going to get a first round pick out of the deal, um, it's lotto protected for Portland through 2028. It will convey at some point. So you could say you're getting a first round pick. Um, and I think that like that can be valuable. Maybe you're chasing more of a distant pick, but uh, Chicago owes it's 2025 first to Orlando. Oh no, to, to the Spurs, excuse me. So like you have to get a 2027 pick contingent upon uh, uh, that obligation. So the framework to me is uh, that Portland pick Kobe white, and then Vooch for Turner. I don't know if that's enough for Indy. I think it's probably right on the, the fringe right now. You would prefer any one of the Lakers picks. If you include like Dasunmu rather than the pick or rather than uh, Kobe White, that might be the, a trump card, to be honest. I don't even thought about like, could you just build something around Lonzo Ball? Lonzo Ball and Halliburton in the backcourt. Like, I, might be weird, but I, I would I would fave it. I would watch it. Uh, are you that low on Lonzo Ball, though, who, when he was healthy with Alex Caruso, was mission critical to your defense? I think the framework is just Vooch to Turner, what sweeteners need to be involved to get it done. I'm considering basically anything and anyone that's not Patrick Williams in that scenario. That was it. I hope you enjoyed this exercise. Please remember to subscribe to us. Hit the subscribe button on YouTube and like, comment, help us break the algorithm. Find us wherever you're getting your podcast. If you've done all those things, please recommend us. Word of mouth, help us promote the show. Um, tell your friends, family members, acquaintances, random people you know on the internet that might have an inkling to hear about and enjoy listening to coverage of NBA basketball. I really try and do a thorough, unserious job. It's been a blast talking to y'all once again. Until next time, and as always, I leave you with a shout-out to the one, the only, the legendary, the irreplaceable and indispensable Frank Vila. Vila.